pop couture. The following show is intended for mature audiences and adult pop culture nerds. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back to Pop Couture, the show that undresses popular culture. I am your host, Aaron Jade Eigel. I'm your co-host, Joe Shrum. And I'm your co-host, Mike Rocco. I really should have said that I am a co-host. I'm so sorry. That was so pretentious of me. Hi, everyone. It's fine. fine. We're we're all going to swap out. It's going to be fine. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Makes me feel a lot better about myself. (laughs) How's everyone been? Good, good. Busy. How about you? Yeah, same with me, too. How about you? Busy. Yep. (laughs) That's correct. I've been... um, and this leads into what I might talk about later, but I've been busy, but I've also been doing that thing where it's just like, uh, <laughs> I feel like I'm in college again, but me and my friends, we made a new world of Warcraft guild and we've been going hard on that for nice. a while. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, busy. Yeah. Yeah. I've not been busy with anything that's fun. I've been busy with like catching up with real world stuff. Um, I just spent like three days doing yard work, so I've, I've got like 13 bags of leaves on my ready for the, the garbage people to pick up. So that was fun. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I picked up I picked up my studio this earlier um, today because I had a lot of trash. So I went through. I bought. I actually had to go on Amazon and buy some garbage bags, some big heavy duty ones because I'm all yeah. out. So I'm like, yeah. oh no, I'd be I leave my place like a sty, and then I wait until it gets to the point where. I can't turn my chair without knocking something over, so I have to <laughs> come in with the big leaf bags, the hefties. Yeah. Oh, yeah that's, yeah, that's what I used. And then, yeah, like the first day I was doing yard work, I ran out like halfway through, and then I went to the store, and then I got back, and it's like, I'll just do this tomorrow. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Joe, you've also, uh, aside from yard work, you've been uh, keeping busy doing some comic research, I hear. Yes. So um, I thought for this episode, it'd be kind of fun to basically talk about like how we got into our uh, our major interests. Uh, For me, it was comic books. So. So, yeah. So um, during my lunch break and then leading up to this episode, I was doing some research. So, yeah. So basically, um, just jump right into it. So I got into comic books back when I was I did the math here. I was 11 years old. I was at the Piggly Wiggly with my mother doing grocery shopping. Uh, Piggly Wiggly is a is a grocery chain, grocery chain mostly down here in the South. So uh, we were going down the uh, you know that aisle that has all the odds and ends like the school supplies, book you know like Harlequin romance novels, all that stuff. And then they had a, a small you know section of comic books, and I just looked over and this this issue just caught my eye when it turned out to be. Um, X-Men classic number 40. Uh, this was a reprinting of the classic, or not not classic, well, classic now, but uh, reprinting of the X-Men story starting in 1975 with uh, Chris Claremont's run. He was um, probably one of the most famous X-Men writers of the of the series. And it was just so, it just, just caught my eye, and I, and I started, like, flipping through it. And um, I would later find out that it was a uh, reprinting of the uh, the Dark Phoenix saga. Um, the Dark Phoenix saga is basically one of the most famous X-Men stories ever. It's been um, adapted, and it was adapted into the uh, X-Men uh, cartoon series back in the 90s. Uh, the last X-Men movie was uh, an adaption of that, and also X-Men Last Stand with the original cast. That was also sort of a 
very loose adaption of the Dark uh, Phoenix Saga. Um, it was halfway through it, though, but so I had, like, no idea what was going on. Like, like who are these people? <laughs> what is all this stuff? But it looked so cool that I had my mom buy it for me, and I, I just I kept reading it over and over again, and um, I, I, I cut out the, uh, the back of – there was, like, a subscription thing that comic books used to have where I could just uh, – like, they would mail you the comic books every – Every month, so I, I, I filled out the subscription. I, my mom, you know, wrote a check and mailed it in. So I started getting the X Men comic books. Um, and the, for the first two years, of, I started like reading comic books. There was like no comic book store where I lived because I was I was living in a small town in Kentucky. So for the first two years, it was like a hunt to find comic books. Like because the, the thing with the Piggly Wiggly is they didn't always have each each month's issue so like sometimes they'd have it sometimes they don't so like my poor mother she would drive me to bookstores um if there was ever if i ever saw something like oh there's comics over there you know like she was like all right joe you got five minutes so go there <laughs> and um i i and it took for it took me a, a couple of years to like build up my 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 back issue collection um because back then like nowadays like every six issues or so, like uh, a comic book series will get you know put in a trade paperback, but they didn't do it back then in the the eighties and nineties. Uh, it was mostly just the more the bigger stories. But luckily, you know, the Phoenix, the Dark Phoenix Saga, which is where I started, that had been collected, so I got to read the full thing. It's like going, oh, so this is who these people are. Mm. Um, it's like, um, and then uh, and then my grandmother, God bless her, um, she lived in New Mexico at the time, and there was actually a fairly large comic book store where. She, in her town. So like for every Christmas and every, uh, birthday, I would send her this like list of all the back issues I wanted her to get me. And she was in her sixties at this time. So I just imagine and my grandmother in her prime was like, maybe like five feet tall. So, and she's yeah. 90 now, 93 now. So she's like, it's a lot smaller, mm -hmm. uh, but I just, I just had this image of her just walking to this comic store, this like sweet little lady and just handing, this list over is like, I need this for my grandson. <laughs> and, and she was very, she was very consistent. Like there was very few issues that she couldn't find for me. So that was, that was great. Uh, and, but then eventually, um, we did get a comic book store in my town and I would just like, I blew all of my allowance on back issues and, and current issues. Um, X-Men, Spider-Man, Ghost Rider, uh, like stuff from the seventies, the original Spider-Woman, Werewolf by Night, um, just, just everything, and you know, back then my, my allowance was like thirty bucks a month, which isn't a lot. But back when comic books were like a, a dollar an issue, you know, yeah. I could still buy a fair amount. And um, that day, that's a lot of money back. In yeah, the day. exactly. Especially you know, since I didn't have any like you know living expenses, so you know, yeah. thirty bucks went a long way. Um, and then then we moved here to South Carolina when I was in high school. So, and then I got a job at McDonald's and I'll, most of that paycheck was supplementing my, my comic book addiction. Mm -hmm. And then when I went to uh, college, um, my dad, he gave me a credit card for emergencies, one of his credit cards. And I don't think he ever checked it too much because I mostly <laughs> just used it for gas and stuff. But I also went to the comic book store there every week. Because, yeah, because I wasn't working. I was, I was going to school full time. And I mean, I wasn't getting a lot of comic books, but I was getting probably a good like, you know, 10 to 20 dollars worth or even more than because the prices were starting to go up there. But he never mentioned anything. So mm. I don't know. Maybe he's just being an indulgent father. But um 
But yeah, I, I collected comics like up until I want to say like the mid 20 teens, like, you know, 2014, 2015, when I just I kind of got burnt out of it, honestly, because um, by then, a lot of times there was just it was just one event thing after another. Like there was like crossovers and big events and you had to buy all of these issues just to figure out what was going on and whatever story was going on in that, that particular series that you're reading would have to just basically stop. It's like, okay, we got to stop this. Then we got to do this event for like two or three issues. And then we go back to it, which, you know, I, I get because it's annoying it, after a while though. It does. Like, it really yeah. does. But I mean, I get it because the comic book industry, it's, it's not like it was, you know, back in the eighties and even the nineties, the just because there's so much competing for your, for your attention, your dollars. So they got to keep, they got to keep up. But yeah, I, I, I kind of fell out of collecting for like a good eight years. I mean, I would get the occasional trade paperback, um, just stuff for nostalgia. Like there, like, uh, there was a cartoon that me and my sister used to watch in the eighties called Jim and the holograms. I don't know if y'all have heard of that. Truly, truly outrageous. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh God. I loved it. Um, I actually, over my head. I actually would make a, I actually made a mixtape of the songs from Jim, which were like a minute or something. I, I, I took my like cassette recorder and put it up against the TV <laughs> and hit record. So oh. I had like a little, I had a mixtape of like all the Jim songs. <laughs> the audio engineer inside me is just wincing, but also that's how you get. The oh, best oh yeah. It was horrible because I didn't, because the thing was I would record them, but not at the same, uh, the same volume at, at, on the oh, TV no. at the time. So like some, some would be like very loud and I'd have to turn down my Walkman and then someone would be like really like, like so, so quiet. And I'd like turn it up. It's like, wait, the what, what, song what are they saying? Kick what? you in the teeth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but eventually there's been a kind of Marvel, uh, X-Men Renaissance with, uh, John Hickman. He's, he's done this whole Krakoa era, uh, with, with the, the X-Men and uh, all the mutants, migrating to this island nation of Krakoa and becoming like a like their own nation and it's like really just kind of flipped everything on its head and it's very good and I've been I've been reading I'm, I'm a little I'm far behind I'm kind of far behind because I'm waiting on the trades but um but yeah it's 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 fun that you know comics sometimes they can go through like a lot of a lot of cycles a lot of years where for you in particular it's just it's not speaking to you so you just kind of like fall off it but then you know, a writer comes along who, you know, shares your passion for the same things or, or has a new spin on stuff. And he uh, he directs it. And all of a sudden, you're, you know, you're back into comics. So it's, it's been a lot of fun kind of re uh, getting into it. Oh, and um, one story I do have that I wanted to share. So uh, back in 89, they did a pilot episode for X-Men. This was before the 90s cartoon. It was called Pride of the X-Men. It was just it was just a pilot that never came of everything but they would occasionally get rerun every now and then on tv and i never was able to get it on tape like like mm. it would just randomly show up and it's like ah i don't have a tape i don't have a VC vcr what's i can't get this so oh, um i know I but yes yes because this was you know back before amazon before ebay YouTube. before the youtube mm -hmm. so you if you missed it you missed it or if you didn't record it it was just like you just had to re rely on your memories but um, uh, a few years after it was uh, made, they they put out a uh, a graph or a trade paperback of of the episode. They basically took um, cell animation from the the series and put it in like a, a a trade paperback. So I had that, and then um, I just had this this idea, like this shot in the dark. I, I found the address of the production company who made the pilot, 
So I, I just wrote to them. It's like going, hi, I really love this series. X-Men is my favorite comic book. Is there any way I could get this, this on tape or something? And somehow someone at, um, it was, it was new world pictures. Mm-hmm. Someone picked oh, yeah. up my letter, someone picked up my letter and they started corresponding with me. <laughs> That's and it's like, so oh, cool. that's so cool, Joe. And like, we 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 exchanged like two or three letters, and the the woman who who was like, God bless her. I don't know why she took pity on me, or just maybe she was just excited. Maybe she just thought that my enthusiasm for X Men was so great. But she was able to get me like an actual VHS tape, like an official thing with like art and everything. Oh, and then so like, sweet. I know that was like my pride and joy for like forever, and. Unfortunately, I don't have any more. I was actually like digging through like the, the, few, the, the few VHS tapes I still have left. Um, and I, I must have gotten rid of it at some point. But it's just like, but yeah, that was like one of my, my favorite like hunting memories because, like I said, somehow I was able to get the production company's address. Somehow my letter got to somebody uh, high enough up to get me a, a copy of the VHS tape. And it's like, yes, pers- fandom wins. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yeah, so that's that's my little story about how I kind of got into to comics and why X Men is just like it, it's just always going to be my favorite comic, my favorite characters, just because I, I imprinted on them so young. And then, like, no matter what happens, I'm always going to be a fan, even if I'm not a fan of a curtain, you know, line or line of stories or, or writer, or whatever. It's always I'm always going to come back to the X Men because there's just it's been a part of my life for like you know almost over thirty years. <laughs> so sweet. Yeah. Pre-internet. It, it was so cool because, um, mm-hmm. you know, I was born before mass adoption of the Internet and my early childhood mm-hmm. was, you know, we didn't have the Internet and then we had dial up. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm, you know, within my lived experience, I have, you know, I remember bits and pieces of the early Internet, not like the early, early, early Internet, like DARPA net and BBS <laughs> and stuff like that. But still yeah. like really early Web 2.0. Mm-hmm. like dial-up connection stuff like that so like some pretty basic like what we would call early internet mm-hmm. and um it's just so cool hearing about like how um people would oh, write to production companies and celebrities mm-hmm. and then just ask like hey can i have an autograph and then it's from what it sounds like more often than not you would get like if you wrote to like the agent of like your favorite singer or something, if you know, maybe you would get back an autograph or a headshot or something like that. And that's just such a cool thing that I'm not sure exists anymore. And yeah. Cause, cause nowadays you can just like go to their website and get like a signed autograph picture like or 50 eBay or something. Yeah. 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 What is, um, what's super cool is my grandmother who she does not have, the internet. I think the most advanced <laughs> thing she owns is a DVD player. And she got that. Mine too. Mine yeah. too. Like no internet. Like I'm amazed she has electricity. And <laughs> if she's listening, like if my mom burns a CD of the podcast episodes <laughs> and brings it to her house, like, I love you yeah. very much. I'm sorry for making fun of you. I love you. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't yeah. even think my grandma knows what a podcast is. So she's not going to hear this. <laughs> right. But she wrote, um, when, when she was about my age, maybe a bit younger, she wrote to um, the person who would become one of my favorite jazz musicians and composers of all time, that's Stan Kenton. And when she heard that I bought a, a record player uh, back before, like in like 20, two, I think 2009 is when I got my record player. 
So mm-hmm. before all like the hipsters started buying their record players, because like, <laughs> you know, th- there's the joke that like traumatized autistic people are, are old salts by the time they're 10 years old <laughs> or, or something like that. Where it's just like, you know, I was so enraptured by technology that came before me more mm-hmm. so than what was going on in culture at the time. So in 2009, I was like, you know, these are really cool, huge records. I have a special interest in audio. And Mm -hmm. I think that the sound is a better experience. And so my parents thought that was cool and they supported that. And then the, uh, the people who have become my father and mother-in-law, um, from my, from when my sister got married, I guess they're not my mother and father-in-law. I don't know what the family relation is, but they thought it was cool. So they gave me a stack of records and a bunch of other of the adults in my life at the time gave me stacks of records and my grandmother gave me a bunch of Stan Kenton records. And with oh. them... Ooh. Sorry, sorry. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Oh. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. All but right. My, sorry. <laughs> um, with, with all of my grandmother's Stan Kenton records, which those records from the 50s are thick like dinner plates. It's crazy. Are they really? Yeah, they're thick records. And uh, with those, she gave me the like a signed headshot of Stan Kenton. And I was like, this is so cool. How'd you get this? And she's like, Oh, well, I just wrote to him one day and he wrote me back and it was, he was such a sweet man. I'm just like, that's so cool. Oh, this is the same woman. And this is going back to something you touched upon. If your grandmother going into store and getting you back issues, she -hmm. did the same thing for me, but she went into borders uh, back when borders was a thing. And she, Mm -hmm. (laughs) she got me a system of a down CD. Oh my God. Christmas one year. Cause she's like, what do you want for Christmas? I was like, I want toxicity by system of a death. <laughs> by George. She got that CD for me. Yeah. I listened the shit out of it. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I can just, I met like my grandma, when I would, we would go visit her in, in New Mexico. She would take me to the, to the, that store. And it's was, it was a fairly large store. And I'm just, I'm just thinking like, Oh my God, it must've been so funny when she just, would come in and just be like, I need this for my grandson. <laughs> cause yeah. she was, yeah. It was just like, cause she, she had no idea about that world. I mean, at all, like she doesn't even watch movies hardly anymore. So it's just like, it's just funny for me to think of her just going into this. Like she's probably, um, I'm, I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure there's like a lot of like grandmothers and mothers or parents would go into comic stores, get stuff for their kids and grandkids. But it's just, just the thought of this tiny little old woman just going in and getting comic books is just hilarious to me. Yeah. It's the same energy as when I was, I was just away on a business trip while I was gone. Uh, I think my, yeah, no, my husband at one point said he either went into or thought about going into our local Warhammer store, but for the life of him, he couldn't remember what armies of Warhammer models I collected and played with or what I already had. So mm-hmm. in his words, he didn't want to go. I mean, I need the space Marine the super. <laughs> it was just, so it's so funny listening to him try to like, right. Yeah. You know, use his words to explain my special interests. I just, it's really adorable. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Next time I'm up there, I need to, uh, you need to take me to that store. Cause we, we didn't get a chance to go the last time I was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Mike, do you have anything on that conversational piece? Just like I've, I've been to, I was never, my, my folks never really, uh, 
they let me do all the talking. So like I know ne- I, I always have to buy my own. Like my the one thing I will say is that my mom was very forward thinking and not in getting me things that I that I specifically wanted, but just getting things that she thought would interest me. So I had tons of VHS tapes of mm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And not just of like Disney movies and stuff, but like um weird shit. Like stuff that like she would find it like weird animation from like Czechoslovakia and and like weird stuff that like is I'm surprising was even available on video. She would just look at something and be like, "Oh, kind of like how a basic parent would just go to like a Best Buy and be like, this looks good for my son, you know?" <laughs> yeah. That kind of thing. But um uh I guess am I going to go into my kind of history of stuff? Yeah. Now, sure. Yeah, sure. Go for yeah. it. Yeah. Go for oh, it. Okay. Um so like being an animation, I think I'm very fortunate in the sense that I grew up in the in the early to mid '90s. So like there was already the big animation boom, like of the Renaissance of because in the '80s animation was sort of in the doldrums, and then it kind of mm-hmm. things like Roger Rabbit and Little Mermaid and other stuff kind of built things up. So by the time I was like a kid, we had Cartoon Network and Disney Channel and Nickelodeon and there was primetime animation and Disney was coming out with a movie every other year. And, um, it was just a really good time. But like, for me, I got into animation as like a profession and a job because, um, again, my mom would buy all these VHS tapes and my best friend was my VCR <laughs> growing <laughs> up as a kid. So I was, yeah. you know, I would sit at home and, and drawing was a stress relieving thing, but it wasn't, I didn't know that it was a career. But I'd watch these cartoons, and um, my grandmother would come visit every summer. And she's an old. She was an old. She kind of had like a it's somewhere between like Catherine Hepburn, aging Lucille Ball, <laughs> and Betty Davis. This oh, you know, my mom. She would go oh, Barbara. You know, like she was, she was very beautiful, like that. And but she would do this thing where she would every night, or you know, specifically every Saturday night too. Um, the Disney Channel used to show the old Walt Disney show. Yeah, yeah. Like, from I the old days. Like, I was probably, mm-hmm. we were probably the last generation to really see Walt on TV. When he was doing before his, it became, like, like, like an all thing? Before it became an old, like, an all-teen focus, yeah. focus network. So, yeah, like, Walt, they would show the old, like, and now your host, Walt Disney. And he would mm-hmm. talk and stuff. And um, they would show, you know, they would show that show, and my grandmother would sit me down and we'd watch it, and she would give mm-hmm. me an after eight mint. I don't, they don't, I don't think they even have them anymore. But they used to be called after eights, and the show would come on at eight, and mm-hmm. she would give us, me and my sister a mint and be like, okay, here's your after eight mint. And so <laughs> we'd either some, depending on the day, we'd like nibble on it like squirrels and try to get as much out of it over the course of the hour as possible, or we would like just inhale it and be like, I guess we're living with this now, mm-hmm. the choice that we made. But, uh, so, like, we'd watch it, and if it was something, like, they would have the animators and show, like, you know, here's so-and-so drawing Pluto. Mm, and they would show mm. drawing. And I'm like, that's cool. And, uh, but then sometimes they would show something that I wasn't interested in, like, um, Davy like Crockett Zorro. For the millionth time. Davy Crockett or Zorro or Swamp Fox or the Hardy Boys or whatever Yeah, it was. yeah. So I'll be like, oh. And then my, my grandma would be like, well, let's go in the cabinet. And we'd, um pull out a movie you know we had, we had all the mm-hmm. disney movies on tape and mm-hmm. one time it was one of those days where like swamp fox or something came on or uh Davey sons Bucket of liberty Crockett. or whatever yeah yeah mm-hmm. david crockett and then i'm like yeah. oh it's like what's going here and then there was one i'm looking at i'm like well we've seen that one already we see that one already and i saw 
um, had Mickey Mouse on the cover, and it was still in the plastic. It wasn't even open yet. It was Fantasia. Oh, wow. Ooh. As a VHS. And I'm like, what's this? I didn't know there was a Mickey Mouse movie. And my grandmother goes, oh, I haven't seen that movie in years. Let's put it on. <laughs> and you put it on. Like, if anybody who's never seen Fantasia, you look, mm. put on that movie. And you're like, where's where the hell's Mickey Mouse? What the what the hell is this <laughs> yeah. shit? Yeah, yeah. It's like all these floating things. And I remember as a kid just being like, what's going on? And then there's like dancing <laughs> mushrooms, and then mm-hmm. Mickey comes on, and you're like, okay, it's the Mickey segment, cool. Right. Yeah. And then my grandmother said something along the lines of, "Look at all the work they went into that that they did on this." Mm. And I was like, "They? Who's they?" She's like, "You know, the the animators." And I'm like, "What?" She's like, <laughs> "What?" All summer we've been watching these Disney shows, and, and I'm like, I just thought they were just drawing pictures of the characters. I didn't think they mm-hmm. were, like, actually. She, and I'm like, she's like, yeah, someone had to draw Mickey and draw the brooms, and then someone else had to paint it the water and the, mm-hmm. all this stuff and everything. And I'm like, that's that's a thing people do. That's a job. She goes, yeah. And I'm like, that's cool. Like, that sounds really cool. I want to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then that was the that was the beginning of the end. So, the, but that was that was the click. That was where the wheels, the cogs, finally aligned and lined up. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, "Oh, animation's a job. Mm-hmm. That's a thing that I can perceive to do, or perceive mm-hmm. to eventually become a, a, a way of life. Like I, I could do it and pursue it. And then I fell into that. And then I studied and I got books and I got all this stuff. And I that's what really got me into it. But it's just my grandmother, in a weird way, just kind of politely reprimanding me like you dumb idiot we've been watching these we've been watching these behind the scenes walt disney shows all summer and you don't you didn't put two and two together that they're actually like that someone had to draw all the mickeys and draw the Mm -hmm. brooms and trace onto plastic sheets and paint the backs and shoot them under the camera and that's that's how animation's done and so then i got to be able to perceive things from a different point of view from more of a technical point of view and wonder how the hell did they do that how do they do the? How do they have it so that the the front the foreground is moving at a different rate of speed than the background? That things parallax and stuff. And then I had to find find out that there was techniques they were doing. And then I studied tons of history books. And then mm. I eventually went to art school. And then I got to study things frame by frame. And it like opened up my mind just like completely. Mm-hmm. And then I was um, it's been all downhill ever since. But. Um, <laughs> It's amazing, like you. It's the the fact that like my child brain could not perceive mm. exactly how the hell animation was done until that one moment when I saw that movie. So like I call animation, I call Fantasia my click movie because it's mm. what clicked. It's what where everything clicked and lined up. And I'm like, oh, and it's still my favorite movie to this day. Mm-hmm. I will fall asleep watching that movie. I love mm. that movie. There are moments where I'm like, I gotta take a break and walk. Yeah. Away. I've seen it I, way too many times. Yeah, I actually, you know, because I'm I'm old. Uh, I actually saw it. Joe, at come on, theaters. It was in like '82, '83, maybe. It got re-released. yeah. They had, a re- they had re-releases. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to uh, I got to see it in theaters. Although, like, since I was like a little kid, um, I was I was kind of like, just like, wait, well, where's Mickey? Where? What's all this? This isn't a plot. What's going on? So right. So I, well, I, now I wish... there's poor Mickey. Now we're at dinosaurs what the hell like like you're like what the hell's going on and then you know the, the dancing hippos ballerina hippos and the, and the alligator alligators or crocodiles whatever they were yeah. <laughs> and yeah They're, yeah the alligators and the the, the the dance of the hours it's yeah it's a i i, I had so 
I talked about it with someone in, in a, a historian that um, that's in our field once called it a sacred monster of a movie. Yeah, because it's, it has everything in it. It has both high art and kitschy art. It's it aims high and it aims low. Like it's mm -hmm. it's such a monster. It's such a conglomerate like mess of a movie that the, the it, it works. And then there's so many things that don't work, but mm -hmm. the things that don't work make the things that do work even better. Right. And I remember reading that uh, Walt had wanted to like release it every few years and put in like new. Like, so each time you saw Fantasia in theaters, it was a little bit. Of, I mean, I'm sure they would have kept like the Mickey segment because that's the most famous. And right. they would swap out segments and it would make it like right. what they would call like a like you would go every year and you would see yeah. it and be like, oh, they swapped out a sequence. Kind of like how people go and see like, I don't know, um, uh, maybe not the best example, but like, like Rocky Horror. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. So you would go and you would see something different. And then it came out just at a really bad time. People yeah. were like, who the hell are you making this for? And Walt was mm -hmm. like, I, I think he, he'd be, I think he expected a little too much of audiences at that time. And then yeah, was he was thorn, disappointed. It was, a, it was a thorn in his side for his entire mm -hmm. career. He never really got as experimental or adventurous again. Mm. But it's still, I think it's now it's had a, you know, not when it hit the '60s and everyone's doing LSD and drugs, it got really big again. Like you yeah. say, LSD and, and they, drugs. And they, would, they would, well, LSD and other drugs. Yeah, ecstasy and everything. And then, like, I think they they had a they had a college screening of it, and they had one of a couple of the animators come to talk about it, and they were like, "What were you guys on when you made it?" <laughs> and one of them was like, "Aspirin and Pepto Bismol." Like, <laughs> It was 1940. Like, what are yeah. we doing? We're, we're literally just sitting here, you know. Yeah. Anyhow. Or like, you know, like to kind of paraphrase John Stewart, it's like, hey, Mike, have you ever watched um, Fantasia on weed? <laughs> <laughs> One thing, that's something I'd love to try someday is take like mushroom. Like, that would be kind of nice. Tie in with the mushrooms in the movie. Do mushrooms mm -hmm. and watch the movie or like, I've never done it. I have watched it high. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's an experience, but um not you know, I haven't done the full the gone the full all the way to the far end. I don't think I'm that daring yet. <laughs> I was going to say but, that hard stuff is scary. Yeah, yeah I'm not quite ready for that yet. Yeah, I had a I had a friend one time. She was uh, she she came to like a it was either a Fourth of July Memorial Day party. She was on mushrooms and oh, um, fuck. yeah, so she yeah she was high and I was like I was just kind of like kind of babysitting her until she came down and at one point she was. She she started taking off her shirt and I'm like freaking out. I was like, what? What are you doing? And she but but she she had a bikini on underneath, so she she knew what she was doing. But you know she she took it off. She's wearing a bikini. I was like, oh thank God. And then she just sort of looks at me and she goes like, Joe, why are you so pro clothes? Pro clothes. <laughs> pro clothes. Yes. Pro clothes. I've had, yeah. Uh, I've had to so do the funny. babysitting thing too. I had yeah. I had some friends who took mush who took mushrooms and the thing uh -huh. is they lived. Um, we lived uh, near a pool. And my one of the things I was worried about was like, am I going to have to like barricade the door so they don't jump in the pool and drown? <laughs> like I was yeah, like, really, it's, it's it sucks when you're not. In, it, it's nice when you have someone who's like your 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 de not your designated driver, but like your babysitter, like yes. someone who's literally making sure you don't like stick forks in the outlets and like screw everything up. Yeah, take I'm, all the top objects out of the house, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm always sober, so I'm I'm always a designated driver. Um, I had I had a very good friend of mine. She 
you know, at, at the height of her party, and she was always two fisting drinks and everything. And I got her out of so much trouble over the years, but she, but it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. But yeah, like Again, you know, the, only so stuff I, the only stuff I take is Pepto Bismol and aspirin. So <laughs> I've been, um, I went up to to see my friends in Michigan not too long ago, and I came back uh, from a really great dispensary called I think Quest Quest Cannabis. Mm-hmm. And for that's a great name for a for that's, I know that's right a Quest name. yeah yeah. And for a hundred bucks, I walked away with a kilogram of of product, which is damn fucking ridiculous, wow. because that's like in Ohio money, that's like what over a thousand dollars or something. And I specifically yeah. loaded up uh, because I'm getting ready for a surgery and I refuse to touch opiates. Like those mm. things are scary. Those things will yeah. ruin your life so fast. So I'm not touching that. So instead I talked to my doctor and my, uh, about recovery. And he was like, look, if you can get your hands on marijuana legally, I have no problem with you using that for your pain relief. And I was like, cool, mm. let's do that. Non-addictive, not scary like opiates. Let's go. And um, it, it's just really, really funny because it is so I think I've talked about this to you two uh, mm-hmm. before we've done the show, just like chatting as friends about how it um, because along with um, autism, I also have, you know, anxiety, depression, PTSD, you know, a couple mm-hmm. of, you know, compounding, you know, obsessive compulsive disorder. I have like a bunch of compounding diagnoses. Right. And it is so interesting to me, like how I can just take one of my edibles and just like mm-hmm. it just smooths over those peaks and valleys. Right. And mm-hmm. it's just like, wow, all those papers, all those medical journals I've read about how cannabis is really effective treatment for a lot of um, a lot of anxiety based disorders uh, for mm-hmm. people with autism. It is. This is this is incredible. This is great. I feel like a human being. And so I just, I, I just sat down in front of my computer and I played World of Warcraft, just like Aww. on my own, just like this is great, just like yeah. relaxed, didn't have a worry, no anxiety, it was great. So in that, watching Fantasia mm-hmm. would be incredible because I have a, a, a similar origin story that relates to Fantasia. But oh, Joe, you are jumping off the chain to say something. And I want to give you the talking stick before I launch into mine. Oh, OK. Yeah, I just want to say real quick. Yeah, I, I understand about the opiates thing, because uh, when I was in college, I uh, was in by femur, actually. So um, yeah, when I was in the hospital, that. yeah, when I was in the hospital, they had me on morphine. And that, that stuff will, will screw you up big t- or mm-hmm. screw your mind up or because at one point, um, there was this there's this movie series and, and, and TV series called Highlanders about a bunch of immortals. They run around. Mm-hmm. I'll probably talk about yeah, this in a future episode. The, the shirtless but, hot guys with big swords. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll probably talk about this at some point in the show just because I, I was obsessed with it when I was at when I was in high school. But um, anyway, so um, I was in this wreck and uh, after surgery, they had on morphine. And at one point, I thought I was actually a character in the in the show. And I, I thought I was like. I was immortal. So my, in my, in my morphine adult, adult mind, I was going like, Oh no, I'm in a hospital. They're going to figure out that I can heal fast. I'm immortal. I got to get out of here. Oh, and no. I nearly, I nearly ripped by the IV out of the back of my hand. Oh God. Because I, because I thought I was like, yeah, I thought I was a care. I was, I thought I was like an immortal character, but they like, at the, I literally had it in my hand. And, and then I still like, came like, no, 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 I'm not immortal. I'm not immortal. I'm, I'm just a guy. So, 
Oh, jeez. Jesus. Yeah, so, so yeah, I, I completely understand why you want to stay away from opiates, because that stuff will fuck you up. <laughs> yeah. So, suffice but, to say, but, Grandma, yeah. if you're listening, I'm sorry that I am vibing silly spinach. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, no, please tell us your origin story with, with Fantasia. Sure. So, um, I grew up listening to, I mean, my parents were cool as hell, and they still are. And I know for a fact that they're listening because they're really excited to hear the things that I work on. Um, mm-hmm. So I grew up listening to rock music and metal music growing up. Um, and growing up, you know, when I was like two years old, my um, my dad and I, we would make we'd wake up early and make pancakes for mom and my sister. And we would put on what we called pancake music. And what that was was, was <laughs> Christian metal. And so oh, nice. it was fucking sweet. And so yeah. we would turn on uh, this this music on like the little like CD player we had in the kitchen. And I would have mm-hmm. my step stool and I'd be helping him make pancakes and stuff. And I still listen Aww. to that band. Really cool stuff. Aww. And um, and so, you know, I was really into like rock music and metal music for a while. But mm-hmm. I, you know... I was also really interested in just music in general and especially classical. Cause you know, in my young mind, it was just so interesting. Right. It was like painting with sound. Um, and my, my parents would recall, they would play um, music by Vangelis and I'd be like pounding to the beat on like on my high chair and Vangelis and, yes, and Genesis, you're getting into some pretty progressive shit there. Uh, especially my dad, he really likes Yes and Genesis, and they have all sorts of crazy time signatures. Um, and I and I love that because it's like rock jazz, right? And that's one of my other favorite genres is jazz music, is just because it's so wildly complicated. It's incredible stuff. But mm-hmm. I had this, you know, this moment, uh, this really formative moment in my life as a musician, where in elementary school. Uh, when you two went to school, did they force you to learn recorder? Yeah. Yes. Yes. They yeah. Did. <laughs> yep. I'm pre- I'm glad that that's like a very universal American experience. I still have my re- I still have my recorder in that weird plastic sleeve. Do you remember yeah. the yes. sleeve? Yes. Yes. Oh my god. That would go into the little like the little belt buckle thing that would like it was like a plastic cheapo. Yeah. Yeah. Sleeve. Yeah. Exactly. I don't know where what happened to my recorder, but. I, I was playing it as I was, you know, as my permanent teeth were growing in. So there are two, like, look, they look like claw marks where my front teeth grew in on the mouthpiece. Oh, so it's just like, nice. So funny. Um, but I remember in that music class, um, that was looking back at it now as an adult, I just realized how important that was for my artistic development. Like one of the, one of the things we did was, um, the teacher turned on Holtz's The Planets, which is by far and away one of oh, my I favorites. Love, I, was, I listen to that every day. I put it on in the background when I'm working. Yeah, I, I love The Planets. Love The Planets. And so he, would, he said, you know, close your eyes, listen, and then when you're ready, open your eyes. Here's some crayons and paper. Draw what you see inside your head. And, you know, just a really incredible practice in not necessarily music theory, but like music philosophy, maybe. I don't know how to, how to describe it, but just like really like teaching you about your feelings, which is not something that American public education does <laughs> really great <laughs> is teach you about your yeah. feelings. But yeah. um, 
And that was really cool. And then for one of the days, he's like, all right, we're going to have a movie day and movie two days. And we're like, what? In music class? What? And he played Fantasia in its entirety. And I remember just being so blown away by it because it was like nothing I'd ever seen before. And I was thinking, like, I didn't know that you could do this with cartoons. I didn't know you could do this with music. And that really just opened my mind. And pretty soon after that, we um, we had yearly trips to see the Cleveland Orchestra. Um, oh. And they play in this beautiful uh, building called Severance Hall, which is, like, as old as Cleveland itself. And uh, if you've never had a chance, if you're ever, like, in the Midwest, in and around Cleveland, go see the Cleveland Orchestra. Fuck the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, even though it's amazing. <laughs> Fuck the Cleveland Browns, Guardians. <laughs> All of it. Go see the yeah. Cleveland Orchestra. That's the coolest thing you can do in the city. Um, and so I got to, for five years, kindergarten through fourth grade, got to go see the Cleveland Orchestra every year. And it was, you know, I got in my oh, nice wow. clothes, which I was really bitchy about. But you know, I got to go <laughs> see them. And, oh, they're so good. They're, mm. they're so good. Oh, so, that's awesome. I love, yeah. I love going to see. I haven't done it since long before the pandemic, but mm. I miss going to classical concerts. I, yeah. I've never gone to the Hollywood Bowl. I've always wanted to see a classical concert at the bowl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah. It's so funny recounting the experience because, you know, I'm for all intents and purposes, a professional punk rocker. Like that's where I cut my teeth in my career. That's how I make my money is punk mm-hmm. rock and like, metal and you know that's like my world and that's my my social circle that's my like um my my subculture in which i slot into like that's my lived experience but i just have such a love for classical music and jazz music Mm. um i just think it um i think that's what really inspired me to go down the route of learning how to do recording and I remember, I think I was like 14 or 15 years old, and I had just started listening to Nirvana. And hmm. what a great age to listen to Nirvana. Right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah. So I had my, my computer, which I will talk about my experience with, you know, building my own computer at age 11. That's a future episode. But um, mm-hmm. on my computer, it was running Windows XP. And I remember this so clearly because I had the USB microphone from Rock Band. That was my first microphone oh, that wow. I ever did a project with and I plugged really? it in. From the video from the game? Yeah, from the oh video. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I had it for the Wii and I was just like, this is a USB plug. My computer has those. Oh my god, it works. And it's just <laughs> brain blast. And I downloaded mm-hmm. um and downloaded Audacity, which was at the it's still around today and it basically is almost unupdated since then. It's the same interface, same everything. It's just this really bare bones recording software but it has everything you need and nothing you don't and i just i i on a stack of books held the the microphone up to my tiny little practice amp and i recorded the the guitar parts to smells like teen spirit then i did it for bass and then i did it again on drums by hanging it from the ceiling over the drum kit and I showed it to my parents and they're like, how the fuck did you do this? And I was just like, I, I just used a computer program and I recorded all the different tracks like and stacked them on top of each other. 
and they're like, did you read a book to do this? I was like, no, I just kind of figured it out. And then they told me about how Les Paul was the guy who invented multi-track recording and how it was so revolutionary at the time and how for recording, like all the old Looney Tunes cartoons and recording orchestras and like the Beatles, for example, it was basically just like a couple of mics at best in a room going into one soundboard getting mixed out in real time. And if you fucked up, the whole band would have to start over again. Uh And so they're just like, there's something here that we need to cultivate in this child. (laughs) And so (laughs) push comes to shove. I I get more and more involved in music and writing my own songs. And I had a brief foray where I majored in computer science and then another brief foray where I majored in arts management and, and business. And that didn't work. And then I went to, Cuyahoga Community College, which just so happens to have this incredible recording studio hidden in the basement of their (laughs) downtown Cleveland campus that like, that's like the hidden gem of that school that like no one knows about is they have like a triple figure recording studio hidden in the basement. Oh, wow. It's like, I got to get my degree on a soundboard bigger than my car. And so (laughs) (laughs) it was so cool. And it was just like, what set me down that path, you know, and the rest is history, right? I started a Mm -hmm. band after I got out of college and I cut my teeth in the punk rock scene and slept on top of amps and all that shit. Mm -hmm. And so, and now here I am as a professional sound engineer and I'm thinking back, like, I think for the first time, I'm just thinking out loud, right. About how that, that path really got started with Holtz as the planets Fantasia Mm -hmm. and, old jazz records that your grandma all, got you. Yeah. Yeah. Wait, can, can we all, can we all next, whenever we meet up next, can we all get high and watch Fantasia together? Yes. Yeah. We gotta do like that. Yes. Let's do yeah, that. Let's do it. Just order a bunch yeah. of junk food and just sit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, White Castle. White Castle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. White <laughs> so, Castle, please. Can I explain I miss, that joke? I miss, I miss my, I miss my White Castle. <laughs> Can I explain that joke for the listeners at home? Sure, go for it. Sure. Okay. So uh, you, me, uh, and Mike, uh, the three of us, uh, we've met up in person like twice, three times, I think. Yeah. Yeah. In yeah. Sh- yeah. In Chicago, uh, which is like pretty central in the United States. It's not like too, I mean, California is far from fucking everything. I know. Yeah. Yeah. God damn it. Yeah. But there is a, uh, a chain of fast food, uh, fast food stores in the Midwest. Uh, it's based in Ohio called white castle and they are famous for these tiny little sliders with a hole in the middle in their square. Right. And it's so they throw them down on the grill and they drop a hood and they cook in like 0.2 fucking Pico seconds. And so thin little sliver burgers. Yeah. yeah. And you can just, they just stack them up and they just make a ton of them and they ship them out. And listen, they're not the best, but they're cheap and no. they're, and they're, they're no. consistent. And so they, and you can get a lot for a little bit of money. So yeah, for not a lot <laughs> get a of money. Grave case for like, what, like 15, 20 bucks or something, something like that. Those yeah. 15 bucks. <laughs> They, I don't oh know. It's, it's not super expensive to get. No, they're really not. So which, yeah, they're really cheap. Yeah, they, they used to have they have they had White Castles because I'm originally from New York and I moved out to California about this is my 10th year in L.A. So like but the thing is, west of the Mississippi, 
there's only two White Castles. One is at a random like truck stop in Arizona, and oh. the other one is on the um, the Vegas Strip, connected to a, a casino. Interesting. Oh, wow. So there aren't any White Castles out here, and it's one of the few things I get like kind of mad about. And there's been times where I've sat here mm. uh, in Burbank, and I've it's been late at night, and I've had a craving. Like you know, if I leave now. <laughs> I could get to the one in Arizona by the time it opens, and I could get some sliders and then drive back. But I'm not that desperate, at least not in this day and age. Of I would have like, thought Vegas was closer to you. I guess not. Well, Arizona, it's like either way. It's like Vegas is like four hours from me uh-huh. if I drive. It's not super bad, but like either way, it's it, to go to either one. It would yeah. still take a few hours to get to, but yeah. I crave it. So whenever when when Whenever I go out to the East Coast or it, like when we met up in Chicago, mm-hmm. uh, I'm like, we got to get White Castle at least once. Yeah. Yeah. Please, yeah. For me, for my sake. And um, I had some recently. And um, the thing about White Castle, if anyone doesn't know about it, is that um, it's 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 the closest thing to eating like wet garbage. that. <laughs> Like that. I mean, it's, there's no like, lies detected. There's the meme, the meme yeah. of hams. Mm. Uh, White Castle is technically steamed. They're literally steamed hams. Like yeah, they're, they're literally steamed hams. The, it doesn't help. Yeah. They're like the they're like the fast food equivalent of like a burger you'd get in a bag and microwave at a truck stop at like yeah. a Seven Eleven. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're literally, and it doesn't help that they put these tiny little things inside of little cardboard. That's the White Castle train coming for me. <laughs> yeah, sorry, that's that's me. I've, there, there's a there's a it's the White Castle a, delivery rail, train. Choo choo. No, yeah, no, it's it's there's a railroad check near me. I'm going to a different room, so we don't. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. But like, um, they're they're put in these little boxes, and so the boxes keep them steamy and like yeah, and they're soggy. And the great thing is that the only reason I I, I brought some fr- we went to Vegas and we that's when I found out that there was the, the White Castle in Vegas. And I was with a bunch of friends. It was my first time in Vegas. So like, guys, we got to get a white a couple of White Castle sliders like right now. And it was literally like we got a table and it was like, up against the wall. So it was like the Last Supper. So it was me and like six <laughs> other people. And I'm God. I'm Jesus in the middle with a big smile on my face <laughs> eating this thing. And everyone else has this like. Oh, because if you're, like I yeah. grew up with it since I was a kid. Yeah, yeah. If it's yeah. something that you since you were a kid, you're like, this is great. But like everyone else, it's like the first time. It's like you're, this is, <laughs> yeah. Like, no, it's not good. I just yeah. it makes, it's like I could get a real pizza, or I could right. get Domino's. I could yeah. have a real burger, or I could go to McDonald's. Like that's the thing is that like mm-hmm. I can get if if it's it's such a like a niche thing, and I know there's yeah. like different country this crystal which i think is yeah, crystal crystal burgers and things like that so like mm-hmm. I, surprisingly la being as diverse and weirdly commercially disgusting as it is the one thing that no one has ever jumped on is like let's put a white castle here yeah, <laughs> yeah. a lot of tra- there's a lot of transplants here mm-hmm. who crave their their awful garbo uh fast food and i i i still I mourn that. It's one of the few things I mourn about leaving New York. Mm-hmm. White Castle. Bacon yeah. egg on sandwiches. White Castle. I'm so sorry. Egg creams. Wow, you have trains on either all sides of your house? I, yeah. Well, it's like it's like right near me, so I guess – oh, yeah. my God. Hang Crossroads on. Crossroads <laughs> of White Castle. 
white cat. Yeah, that's, they hear me call. It's they. It's the white oh, cat yeah. coming down the track. Um, hey Mike. There we go. Hey Mike. Um, yeah. I know that you have to go relatively soon, but before yes. we before we close out, do you think you have time to bang out one of two sketches? Either I think I can. Okay. Do it. Either the Last Supper that you described, or oh, yes. Skinner from the Steamed Hands video holding the platter, but instead of crusty burgers, it's, it's just a cra- it's a crave case. It's a crave case yeah. of White Castle. I will. I probably. I. I don't have it. It's like ask me to draw twelve disciples eating White Castle in like two minutes. Or is, Skinner. Is daunting, so I'm gonna do the. I'm gonna do the. Okay. the Skinner's. All right. I realize well, the breadth yeah, of what I'm, I just asked. I'm from Utica. Month. I'm from Utica. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, it's an Albany expression. Yeah. So I want to recognize <laughs> yeah. the breadth of what I just said and apologize. Yeah. But um, oh, but but Aaron. Uh, to, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say when we were in Chicago, we were there with a bunch of our friends, like a huge, like a big, like a big friend family reunion, and mm-hmm. I forget the name of the menu, the venue we went to, but it was like a rock venue. We the night that we went to that emo night at that one venue. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just remember we. <laughs> I don't know if it was you or someone else, but one of us ordered like three Crave cases. I remember. No, that wasn't me. I wish it was me. No, I don't wish it was me because I was great because I could eat them and I didn't have to pay for them. (laughs) I'm happier for that, you know. But I remember that I was like, not only was I imbibing in, you know, spicy water, as it were, otherwise known as alcohol, but also I had an edible. That's what I I call LaCroix. Yeah, exactly. So I was having a great fucking time and I was feeling wonderful. And so was everyone mm. else. I think everyone was crossfaded that night, except for Joe, because you're a good boy. And yeah. so I remember I was like stumbling out of the mosh pit and I see our table and it's just like a mountain yeah. of White Castle. I'm like, mm-hmm. fucking yippy skippy. Let's go, dude. <laughs> I was just so happy. I was just, oh, so good. And so it's funny because when I have White Castle sober, I'm like, why was I crying? right? Yeah, I'm just like, why did I do this to myself? But it's like, it when you are in an altered state of mind, White Castle is the mm-hmm. most delicious fucking thing you'll ever put in your face hole. Yeah. Oh my god. It's, it's like how people like when the, the thing is, is that they don't care what it is; they just need to have food in their stomach. Yeah. 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 Or you're, eating. You're drunk or buzzed, or you're like, I just want to have something in my. I just want to put something in my mouth. I don't care if it has the consistency <laughs> of of like of hot garbage i just yeah. want <laughs> i garbage. want to nosh yeah you know i love the format of this podcast right yeah. and how it's just like we start talking about like our very like wholesome stories of how we got started in our mm-hmm. respective fields and interests and then we wound up talking oh let's get high and eat white castle dude <laughs> yeah <laughs> white castle and fantasia white castle sounds yeah. like a real Sounds like a real good idea. White yeah. Castle oh, but, um, Edibles and Fantasia is a banger of an episode name. Yes, exactly. Fantasia and White Castle. Yeah. Dakota and Puke in D minor. <laughs> God. Indigestion in E minor. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my oh, but, fucking God. Aaron, while, while, while Mike's doing that. Um, yeah. So I was, I was looking up. So you said you got into Nirvana when you were about 13 or 14. I, I was looking yeah. up when... Smells Like Teen Spirit was released, and I was 13 when that when that came out. So Aww. when you discovered 
technically we me and you discovered Nirvana at the same age. It's just I discovered them when they were actually coming out at the, when right. I was actually 13 when they came out. So. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I feel like so many alternative kids have their their uh their flirt phase with Nirvana. And mm-hmm. obviously, you know, culture is not monolithic, right? But I feel like a lot of kids who are alternative, whether that be punk, goth, emo, etc., have a love affair with Nirvana or a love mm. like a marriage with Nirvana and it stays with them forever. Yeah. Oh god, I love I loved when Weird Al did did his spoof of them because that was so fun. <laughs> See, I think we can go into Weird Al for a whole episode, right? Oh god. But oh I just Kirk I just Cobain. bought a DVD of his, like all like stuff that he did over the years, like when he did like Al TV when he took over MTV for like a day or something. I've got like I'll have to watch that at some point so I can like say like, oh my god, they did this, they did this, they did this. So. Yeah. But I just remember the story of Kurt Cobain finding out that Weird Al Mm-hmm. wanted to do a smells like teen spirit parody and Kurt Cobain said that he was just so like honored and that's mm-hmm. how he found out that he was famous right because Nevermind right. came out and they Nirvana pardon me immediately got on the road because mm-hmm. you know and they didn't have the internet they didn't have cell phones they talked right. to their management through pay phones mm-hmm. and so uh, they were backstage at Saturday Night Live. Weird Al calls them, and that's yeah. when that's how they found out they were famous. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they got a call well, and then and then Kurt had asked Al. Al had told the story. He said like Kurt had asked like, "Is it good? It's not going to be about food, is it? You know, because most of his parodies are about food." <laughs> yeah. and and I was like, I was like, "No, it's it's, it's going to be about the fact that no one understands what you're saying." And they just love that. Yeah, so, Kurt yeah. was such a good sport with stuff like he that. was. He really yeah. was. Oh my goodness. I just I just finished the drawing. Oh, okay. Let's I see love it. you. So hold on, just give me a second. I'm just gonna export it real quick. Thank you oh. again for letting me just like hit you with that. I hope you don't feel like exploited. By oh the... no, no. Oh, no, drawer fun. man, go draw me something. Yeah, draw draw twelve disciples and you in the middle with with White Castle. Yeah. Look, I I remember one one time I was at a mall drawing and um because I used to draw people do life drawing and two uh, older two older guys came up. And they were talking and they're like in business suits and they're like, you know, so anyway, I was, you know, as I was saying to, you know, whatever. And they they pass by me and they see me drawing and one of them just goes, look, Dan, talent. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Holy shit. Oh, my God. That's awesome. Look, Dan, talent. So anyway, I was saying. The other day, yes. You know, it's like, what the hell is this? I'm gonna do that next time I see someone. Like, I'm just gonna be walking and someone's drawing. It's like, look, talent. Oh yeah, my fucking go. god, the sketches! Wow. Oh my god, oh my look god. at that. That's, that's amazing. So Holy shit. Funny. Oh my god, that's hilarious. Yes, that's awesome. Good job. Literal steamed hams. Literal steamed hams. <laughs> All right. Well, we we've reached Mike's. Uh, limit here so we need we need to close out the show yeah we sure yeah. do oh what a what a good episode uh um, yeah thank you so much everyone for listening let's kind of take mm-hmm. it home here uh joe do you want to start with the outro uh yeah so i'm um, i'm really glad i got to share kind of like what got me into comics and um i'm sure i'll share other stuff too down the road like how i got into doctor who and other things but yeah this was a lot of fun so uh thank you all for listening and i hope um maybe that brought up some memories of you of how you got into comic books and wanted and if you're old enough if you're old enough like me the hunts that you went for comic books before you know there was 
Amazon and um, and and read it and you know trade paperbacks and all that stuff. So yeah. Where can uh, people find you, or do you have anything you want to promote? Oh, um, yeah, I don't really have anything to promote just yet. Maybe as the as the uh, the podcast gets bigger, I'll, I'll I'll think of something. But right now, I'm I'm just I'm just a, an analyst for a bank. So <laughs> yeah, love that. All right, yeah. Mike, your turn. Uh, I'm. I hope. Uh, you know, I'd love to. I'd love to. If you start me talking about animation, I won't stop. So I'm <laughs> glad that I have a, a set deadline to get out of here for at least today. I had a previous engagement and I had to leave, so I apologize. But okay. um, don't worry about um, it. You could find me on Twitter on at, at on at the Twitter at a guy who draws, and that's my cat. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't I acknowledge my cat, Maya? Um, and. Um, I yeah, and uh, if you want to ask me questions, feel free to send me a, a little message on uh, Twitter, and I'll talk about animation until the cows come home. And then, what is your and when uh, they have Instagram. to leave again, like I do? <laughs> uh, your Instagram. Oh, my Instagram. Uh, just Michael J Rocco R U O C C O. You can find me on there too. And it's oh, uh, one last thing to promote my I did a short film, Sniff and Snoof. It's uh, yeah, it's you should have said yeah. Yes, it's done. Oh, it good. Finally exported and it's done. Yeah, and then I'm gonna have it for a festival. Um, festivals probably in the summer. Yay! So we'll see how that goes. Awesome. If you can try to get it into Cleveland Film Fest because my parents Ooh, and I, we go yeah. every year to Cleveland Film Fest. Oh, definitely. I'll try if they, yes. if, they, if, they, if they still have openings. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And I have been Aaron Jade Eigel. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at solder and stand mixer with underscores in between the words. Um, you can email uh, me at the show's email, which is popcouturepodcast at gmail.com because I don't do social media all that much. Uh, that's all I have really to promote at this juncture. Um, and I think that's all I have to say. Am I forgetting anything? No, nope, I think we're good. I think we're golden, yeah. Great, perfect. Well, in that case, everyone, thank you for listening. We will see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye, friends. <laughs> see ya. <laughs> see ya. Zane.